All right, welcome back to another episode of the Around the 412 Fantasy Football Show. As always, brought to you by Peach Barbershop, located in East Rochester, PA. I'm your host, Smitty. With me, as always, I got Drew and Joe. What is going on, fellas? Drew, do not mention the hat. I'll have to. People see it. <laughs> That's true. A, a, a crazy stat that you just told me. Uh, 87% of the country on the Phillies, or wants the Phillies to win the World Series. That would probably be the case if it was all if it was the Yankees too. So I feel like it was kind of a win-win for them as long as they got to the World Series in terms of being America's favorite. In what world has Philadelphia become the favored child yeah, a, of the country? Twenty twenty-two is like, ridiculous. We don't have trash cans in our dugout. Seventeen seventy-six. When did they move the uh, the the capital to Washington D.C.? It's been like that long since Philly's been that favored for something in the country. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, Ooh. Drew's fired up for that, obviously. Uh, Friday, right? Kicks off on Friday. Yep. The World Series. 30. Um, all right. So we can now, this isn't a baseball show. We're here to talk about fantasy football. Get you guys ready for week eight. Um, let's start with some injury roundup, as we always do, until we uh, undoubtedly will get some comments in here with some questions for us. Before um, anybody uh, tells us, it says week seven headlines. Where's that? Oh, wait. Oh. No, that's, that's right. That's, that's right. correct. Oh, yeah. yeah we're, we, we're... See, you got me, too. You made yeah, me I thought that we like usually that. say, like, headlines going into this week. We've literally never done that. Respect oh. your king. <laughs> you're, you're... Wait, that's spoiler alert, so I'm not going to say anything. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not dead. So let's start with the injuries, Drew. I normally let you just lead the conversation here when we talk about injuries, but the first one I want to talk about... Actually, you do have it listed as the first one anyway. Very unfortunate. Brees Hall, the very promising rookie season of the New York Jets running back, comes to an end. We're going to talk about something that kind of was fallout due to this injury with the Jets. Um, but this is this is a tough one to see. This is a tough one. I mean, it was a tough week for the Jets. They also lost Elijah Vera Tucker. But, uh, yeah, this yeah. injury happens. What's, what's the fantasy fallout of this? Yeah, so, as you mentioned, ACL and meniscus. Um, for Brees Hall entirely, I'm – it kind of sucks because even for Dynasty, we've been seeing that these injuries roll over into the next year. And, I mean, he's halfway through a season uh, suffering this injury. Mm-hmm. We saw J.K. Dobbins suffer his at the beginning of training camp last year, and he's going through what he's going through. So, obviously, this is uh, this sucks. It really sucks. Um, I still think Brees Hall's a top-five Dynasty running back, but he would have been probably the best Dynasty running back if he doesn't suffer an injury like this. But um, as we'll talk about later, James Robinson was traded to the New York. Someone just brought up James Robinson in the comments as well. So I think uh, we have to kind of let the comments on a show like this when we're doing it live. We kind of got to let the comments dictate where we go with the show. Should I trade James Robinson for Zeke? It's a half PPR league. So, yeah, James Robinson comes over in a trade to the Jets following this injury. They waste no time. Kind of shows they still, you know, say what you want about the Jets. They're five and two. They plan on being a contender this year. They, they don't want to just sit back on their hands and, and let Michael Carter take the rein. They make a trade for James Robinson for a sixth that can turn to a fifth. It looks like it will turn to a fifth. I think he needs like 230 yards there or something like that for it to be a fifth-round pick. Um, but what is this uh, – well, first off, what do you think about trading James Robinson for Zeke in a half PPR league? If he's acquiring Zeke, I kind of like it because I still personally think that – kind of foreshadowing later on in the show, I, I think that James Robinson and Michael Carter are going to be a committee. Um, they were a committee most of the year until Brees Hall essentially flipped off Robert Sala and said, give me the ball. Like he was just too good not to give the ball to. So mm-hmm. at least we know that Zeke's getting a lot of goal line work in Dallas and they're both going to be in committees. It's not terrible. 
here's my concern. I do think that right now that Zeke holds more value. They mentioned today, though, that Zeke might have a torn MCL that he's playing through um, and that he's also dealing with some knee soreness. So he looks like he's probably not going to be playing this week. And I don't know if James Robinson's going to be playing either. I think it's a risky trade not knowing what the health status of Zeke is, especially if you're going to be on the receiving end of that. I think that that value is going to be there next week. I know that the Jets had said that they're going to bring Robinson on slow. Um, They don't want to rush him onto the field just because they have Michael Carter. They already have Ty Johnson. They've already called someone up from the practice squad. So I could see a scenario where they slow play him, not only because of the injury, but also just because they want to get him acquainted. He did practice today, um, but they did say they were going to slow play it. So for me, I would not trade for Zeke at this point. I would see what the outcome is of that. It's looking like Tony Pollard's going to get the start this week, but um, right now it's a pretty big hold. Um, so I don't really feel too good about that trade at this moment in time. I had no idea about this injury. I just looked it up. Yeah, you're right. Sprained knee. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it kind of came out of nowhere, right? No one was yeah, really talking about it until right. today. It was three hours ago while I was still at work and then at the gym. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you text me? I have many uh, ravens that flock throughout the kingdom to give me my news. <laughs> they're just not here yet. Okay. Good question. Yeah, this, yeah this, I, this, I, I ranked uh, Pollard RB18 this week, um, assuming that we won't see Zeke. And uh, obviously, like when, whenever Zeke doesn't play, you know what Tony Pollard can do. I'd probably um, rank him higher than that. He's, I, th- I feel like he's been a top 10 running back every majority of the time that he's had a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I could definitely be talked into that. I mean, yeah. if you're watching the, the scroll at the bottom of the, the screen right now, there probably is a lot of guys on the back end of that top 10 that I could put Pollard in front of. Yeah, and I think, too, Chicago has a pretty good matchup on the ground. They've currently, uh, if we're looking at half PPR in particular, um, let me sort this real quick. Um, it's kind of hard to see with one eye, um, but it is what it is. Um, so Dallas ends up getting the sixth best, seventh best matchup um, on mm, paper. So yeah. if he's going to be the, the bell cow back for yeah. that, I really do like that matchup. Similar to you, Zach, when I made my rankings, I did not have the Zeke news yet. Um, but he's definitely a top 10 play in my mind if he's going to have that full bell cow role. Um, mm-hmm. I don't envision them having well, another running back that would command the type of carries that they would see in a traditional split between Zeke and Pollard. So. DFS I is completely out the window then, too, because he's going to be priced Ooh. very low. He's going to be priced yeah. very low. This completely changes the outlook of what we're going to talk about then. <laughs> That's a good point, too. <laughs> I might even I, So with, uh, with Pollard's ranking for me, I did do that. I, I had seen that Zeke mispracticed and wasn't really sure what was up. But I was like, okay, even if Zeke is active, I feel like Pollard's going to take on a bigger role. So I had him at 18. If you're saying he's not going to play and with that matchup, yeah, I'm probably in the top dozen for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, we got some other stuff here, obviously coming. I did see more reading really quick before we transition. It looks like Zeke's injury. They don't seem too concerned. It's a matter that they have the bye week next week. So they, they're Mm. looking at it so they can give him two weeks. I still, it's questionable about training for him right now, but like, it might not be as severe as we initially think based on reading some of this initial news. Yeah. Okay. Uh, would y'all trade Kamara and Juju for Kelsey? Non PPR. My other running backs are Taylor, Gus Edwards, Etn, and Chuba. My wide receivers are Diggs, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, and Lazard. Yes. 
Yeah, e- easily. If someone is willing to give up Travis Kelsey for Kamara, who's kind of struggled this season a bit, and Juju, who has had some pop weeks, but they're really distributing the ball over the field. And because it's a non-PPR scenario, um, Travis Kelsey is long and away the best tight end in fantasy football still. Mark Andrews kind of has this mysterious knee injury that he's battling through. Um so it's it's really interesting to see. Uh, we also saw news today that um, Andy Dalton is going to continue to be the quarterback moving forward yeah. for the New Orleans Saints, despite Jameis being healthy. I don't really have a strong feeling on whether or not that's good or bad for Kamara, but I do think that that leans towards them still utilizing like Taysom Hill in a capacity mm-hmm. that they have been in the last couple of weeks, which obviously is going to limit the amount of times yeah. that Kamara is going to get the ball. Um, but if you can get the best player to position and you still have serviceable guys looking at that list, having Jonathan Taylor, um, they have, yeah, that you have Taylor Edwards, ETN, Chuba Hubbard. Those are four startable running backs that you have. You can even plug one of those into, um, your flex. I don't think that you're losing a lot going from say Juju to Amari Cooper, especially knowing that David Njoku, who we were going to talk about in a little bit with his injury going to be out for multiple weeks. That's going to be an uptick for Cooper for targets as well. Um, And Green Bay is kind of just struggling overall, but um, I I think that's more than enough. Um, And if you're getting Kelsey back, I like that a lot. I don't know if you guys noticed this with your teams, but I mean, the teams that I have Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey on, they are doing significantly better than any other roster that I have in any leagues. It's just like one of these things where having one of those guys that gives you such an advantage week over week, because if they're putting up 15 to 20 every week and these other teams are putting up like five to 10, you have a 10 point buffer almost weekly. This is going to be kind of controversial and probably in poor taste, but I'm going to say it anyway. If I had this trade on the table already, what I would do is I would wait until Saturday to accept the trade. I would play Kamara and Juju this week and then get Kelsey afterwards because the the trade takes two days to process. Um, realistically, the person should fight that and make you accept that trade now so they get those players for this week. But I would envision if you're a person that's trading Kelsey right now, they're on by, you need wins, and you're trying to do something to get where you need to be to get in the playoffs. Um, so if you are in a situation, I have one of my teams, I'm two and five right now, and I have Kelsey on by. So that's something that I'm heavily considering this week is should I give him up? Because really, you need to go at least seven and six to get into the playoffs. So it's like I don't have a lot of wiggle room. And is it worth trying to run the table with Kelsey? Or do I try to trade him, get something big back so that I can – kind of have like an extra life to avoid the going into next week with that six loss. Um, <clears throat> it's funny you say that what you do, uh, Drew, about uh, your best teams. I am one in six in my league with Mark Andrews. And listen to this roster and tell me how that's possible. Uh, well, I started out with Trey Lance as my quarterback. Obviously, he, that he got hurt. Tua Tagovailoa is my quarterback now. Uh, Debo Samuel, Chris Godwin, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Damian Pierce, Chris Olave, Terry McLaurin, Kareem Hunt, Romeo Dobbs, Wandale Robinson, Jared Goff. I feel like there's just a lot of inconsistency there. There is. It's it's insane. Like on a week-to-week basis, I could score the second highest points, but I'll play the guy with the top. Obviously had some injuries throughout there with Tua and and stuff like that. Uh, Kamara has been inconsistent. Derrick Henry was bad the first three weeks. So it's just, it's insane. But you look at this roster and you're like, how? How is it possible? On a, on a week-to-week basis, I'm projected like top three highest points in the league. 
It's a stupid game. I don't know why I spend time talking about it every week. <clears throat> we literally have a show talking about, about it. And, uh, <laughs> rank these therapy, three. Man. Rank these three rest of season PPR in a redraft. Uh, Amon Ra, Olave, Pittman. What, what a rough go as of late for Amon Ra St. Brown. Um, so unlucky. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if we want. Still a believer in the player. Okay. Well, that's a good. So let's talk about the injury first, I yeah. guess, and just kind of tie it in together. So his injury, the reason I put it on here, I thought it was kind of interesting and something to note. So he left the game with a concussion. Okay. But did you hear Dan Campbell's talk yesterday about the team? Well, they said he didn't have a concussion. He said they didn't have a concussion. But because of the new rules, he was questionable in sense that he had some instability. So he he was automatically Uh, out. So this is like something that's like, not good for obviously for fantasy week to week. We obviously want these guys to be healthy, but like you could fall on the ball get the wind knocked out of you and they might think you have a concussion and then you're out i don't know that sounds like a bit of a stretch the dude definitely got bopped in the head yeah but you know what i mean though like if you get up and you're just like you have to catch your breath and you're like bobbling a little bit just because like your lungs Uh, you know what i mean like they're looking for instability i guess but i feel like there has to be more grace than oh he got the wind knocked out of him like yeah but you're taking a shot when you get the wind knocked out of you you know what i mean just someone can just put put their pads right in your chest you fall back from hard like it's there's they're gonna have to find they're gonna have to find a balance there i just i don't think it's gonna be in in this season that they do i think it's something they're gonna have to revisit yeah for this season i agree that it's going to be something that unfortunately is going to affect fantasy in this way yeah yeah um but okay, so to answer this question though, ooh, I don't know because I love all three of these players, but like with Pittman with the quarterback situation, obviously, yeah. Sam Ellinger's QB one now there. Uh, I feel like Amon Ross and Brown is like a clear number one to me. Yeah, and then there's like this weird: do I oh, trust? Do I trust the health of the other Saints receivers if I think that they're going to stay and continue to be hurt? Then Olave becomes like option number two for me because I think that. Dalton can support him better than Ellinger can support Pittman. We've also seen a weird emergence of Paris Campbell this season. Um, And then you also, if you noticed last week, Campbell, uh, Alec Pierce, and Pittman all had like almost, they played all snaps. So they're really moving into like a three wide receiver formation. Jonathan Taylor also had his career high in receptions last week. So they're looking to move the ball more. Um, I, I really think it's a toss-up between those two. So it's almost like a, there's a clear one, in my opinion, and then like a 2A, 2B. Mm-hmm. If I had to rank one over the other, I think that – I do think that the New Orleans Saints, they get some people back that are going to be healthy. So for that reason, I'll put Pittman at two, Olave close behind him at three. I'm the one that read this question, and then I started talking and forgot it was a question about the rest of the season and not just next week. Um. So, yeah, I, I, I'm actually in full agreement with that in, in terms of the order there. Amon Ra is clearly the number one to me. Um, you could say maybe a little bit of a toss up between Olave and Pittman, but I'm, I'll lean on to Pittman. I have Pittman at three, and I, I don't. To me, that's pretty easy. I just I think that with Sam Ellinger playing now, it's going to completely change this offense entirely. Like he's way more athletic than Matt Ryan is. He rushed for over two thousand yards at Texas. I just think that it's going to change. They're going to run the ball more. He's going to be more mobile. Um, the thing that we liked about Pittman coming into this season is that we talked about how Matt Ryan picks a guy and just peppers him with targets. That's no longer a thing. That's fair. Mm-hmm. And I like Chris Olave, and I don't think that 
Thomas and Landry are going to impact anymore. I think that he just shown that he's a really good player. And Andy Dalton is the one that's really made him step up. Like Winston's been out for a while and Olave really came on with Dalton. I think that Dalton staying at the quarterback position might actually help him long-term. But again, Amonra is clear in a way that like he's a stud, but I, I have a slight edge for Olave and I'm concerned about Pittman moving forward, especially for the rest of the season. That's a good point. I get, yeah, I, I, and I would like it. Obviously we can't, but Hey, let's revisit this question. Like next week when we say, when we see yeah. Indianapolis play a game with him as the starting quarterback, I get your point about the rushing yards in college, but I feel like that that's kind of, I don't want to say that's always the case because yeah. obviously there are quarterbacks even in college that aren't more mobile, but you look at like the way that, um, say like a Matt Corral, who at one point was running a ton for yeah. Ole Miss. And obviously we haven't seen him play for Carolina yet, but his last year in Ole Miss, he wasn't doing that as much. I don't know. I, I think that like when you get to the NFL level, even guys that were runners in college ran more. They don't, they just don't do that in the NFL. I just think when a guy's younger and he's going to be under the pressure that he's under because they really haven't done well protecting the quarterback. I think oh, so you're, be- you're not saying like designed runs. Oh yeah. You're not designed. Saying- like, I just think that it, he's not going to throw the ball as much because he's going to yeah, be yeah. running for his yeah. life or they're going to hand the ball off the Taylor more to protect Ellinger, I, I just think that the target share is not going to be what we want it to be moving forward. It's a huge question mark compared to what you would have got with Ryan, which is like, I'm going to feed my dog. And, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's a big question mark for sure. Yeah. Uh, would you guys trade ETN, Walker, or Mixon for Amon Ra? Would I be overpaying? I wouldn't trade ETN or Walker. I would trade any of those guys, but I would prefer to trade Mixon if I had yeah. to pick one of the three. Um, I think that Looking at the trade charts that we've used in the last couple of weeks from peak from high school, in a full PPR scenario, he actually has Amon <laughs> Ross St. Brown in a separate tier. Um, and then, so that's tier two. And then Mixon, Walker, and ETN are all like in the tier below that. ETN and Walker have obviously been climbing as they've performed in the last couple of weeks. I think that ETN is potentially a sell high. It's going to be interesting to see how they utilize him. He did get 80% of the snaps last week, but I don't think that they just want to abuse him like this is his first year in. He'll probably end up in somewhere like a 65 to 70% like share. And then we'll see who emerges. Like, is it going to be like Snoop Connor or something like that for Jacksonville? Or uh, who's the other guy that they just were talking about? That is it Hasty from he used to play for San Francisco? Yeah, Jermichael Hasty. Yeah. yeah, so you can see him getting some work. Um, but I think the upside play for both of them there um, is really good. I think that Joe Mixon, although he has the higher draft capital, um, they've really struggled running the ball. And you saw last week, they finally abandoned it and remembered that they have three really good wide mm-hmm. receivers and just dominated last week. I don't see why you would move away from that. Um, so to me, I think Mixon Hole is the best trade chip. I think a wise person would be looking at Kenneth, Kenneth Walker just because what he's done. ETN has is the biggest wild card. Um, but I, I, if you can move any of those guys, I think I'd feel comfortable with it. Um, but I don't think that it would be an overpay by any means. You know, I, I think that too. You got to look at the age gap here. Mixon's twenty six. The other three, or the other two, are twenty three and twenty two years old. So, I mean, uh, if there's like a huge talent gap, that doesn't necessarily come into play. But if it's all pretty close, and you're talking about a dynasty league here, why wouldn't you lean on the side of the twenty three and twenty two year old? Is this dynasty? Oh, I even if it's, I guess, even if it's redraft, I I still. 
I think that they traded James Robinson because they want well, they want to feature. Sure, I would still I, I could still get behind that, but I, I guess what I'm saying is it's it's a it's close to a no brainer for me if we're talking dynasty with the age gap. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I feel like Mixon's performance has been primarily volume dependent. It's not yeah. like he's running the ball well and just hasn't had the opportunities. Uh, uh, Randy did right. say it's redraft, yeah. So yeah. for me, Mixon kind of holds that value because it's like, oh, he'll turn it around, he'll do this. You've seen him; he's been getting a lot more receptions this year. Um, if it were me, I would want Kenneth Walker. I probably would not accept a trade for Mixon for St. Brown personally. Um, but it's really just the appetite of the player and what they're looking for. Um, but so you would trade them in the order of what Mixon, Ethan Walker. Yeah. I'm I'm good with that too. Cause Walker's just been so good since he took over the job. It's hard to trade him. If I traded Mixon, my team would be Burrow, ETN, Walker, Higgins, Evans, Amon-Ra. Hey, Randy. Randy, if you play on ESPN, let me be a, um, a co-owner for that team so that I can feel, <laughs> see what it feels like to win. That'd be really cool. Thanks. I'll send you my email. Uh, <laughs> all right. I, I should have known that because that, he literally asked the question right above that about a redraft. Thing, yeah, so. yeah. It's okay. I like uh, it even Kyle. more, though, because he, he had way too many Bengals in that lineup for me. Hmm. He would have been stacking Burrow, yeah. Higgins, and Mixon. Mm-hmm. He's got to find a way to get Chase. Yeah. <laughs> um, wait, actually, let me just come back. Uh, we'll come back to that one because he just had something else. The guy's saying he would give Jacoby Myers. Amon Ra and Mixon. He get both, so smash. Uh, immediately, exactly. Yeah, smash. <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, am I reading this wrong? Does he want yeah. Jacoby Myers and Even if it Amon was – if or, it's not, either way – I don't yeah. care what direction it's in, make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then Randy, send that invite uh, to Joe after <laughs> doing that, after you accept that. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, 10 team, full PPR, got offered Michael Pittman and Rashad Bateman for Jalen Wad- for my Jalen Waddle. My, his Jalen Waddle. He must be a Dolphins, right. man. Yeah. Uh, my wide receiver is a Jalen Waddle, Hunter Renfro, Michael Thomas, and Allen Robinson. No. I think, Drew, you, this is not that this is one of the few ones, but you really nailed this one on the Rashad Bateman thing. I think a lot of people coming into the year expected him to be more of a kind of like safety valve um, secondary target, but he's really a big player. Go ahead, just say it with me. Was it? I loved Rashad Bateman coming into this year. I don't know if I said it on here. I was, um, yeah. I, just... I did too. I thought he was going to be like one of those like later – like seventh, eighth round receivers that you can get and get like the volume just, there. And like, I know how the Ravens have them. been with receivers. And I know that like they invested uh, a high pick in Hollywood Brown too, but I was like, man, they, they spent a first round pick on this guy, Rashad Bateman. They, they've seen the scrutiny that they've gotten for their passing game. I just felt like this was finally the guy to do it at the wide receiver position for them. Nope. Devin Duvernay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, if it my makes God. you feel any better, this is literally like one of my rarest W's of the season. So, but I would not take that trade. Jalen Waddle is in a great position. I think Tua surprised us in being able to sustain both him and Hill. Um, you're not getting anywhere near the close to the value for that. Um, mm-hmm. Did I get yeah, 1.5 dubs that, on that one based on what you just said? Sure. Because I can said have that, as many as you want. Start yeah. playing dancing on my own if you want. I don't well, care. I, I said that I think that they can sustain both Hill and Waddle. Yeah. I just don't know if mm-hmm. where they're at in terms of like top 15. Right now, they're both top 10, um, which is shocking to me. Uh, and without Tua, for, was it two games he missed? Yeah. So yeah. right now, Hill is three and Jalen Waddle's seven. 
So that would, well, that would be the highest, like, two players together on a team to finish, Mm -hmm. like, ever. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, we've we've said it was possible, okay? It's just literally, yeah, historically, it's it's never happened. So I just felt like um, they were too good. It's just, they're too good to doubt. But that's why these trends are meant to be broken. Congrats to them. We'll see if they can keep Um, it up, though. So let's get let's get back to some injury talk. Uh, obviously, the comments can sometimes derail that. We love that. We love the questions. Keep them coming in. But getting back to some injury stuff, maybe like a little bit of I don't want to say rapid fire. I don't want to make you just speed through this. But there's obviously yeah. a lot more injuries to cover. I could speed through a couple because they might not be as serious. Um, Chuba Hubbard has an ankle injury. Just worth noting because of that situation now with CMC moving on to mm-hmm. uh, San Francisco. I thought that both running backs look good. They're obviously going to be a committee. If you have to pick one, I prefer Foreman, obviously, uh, because it's funny. Well, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, um, yeah don't ruin Tinder for everybody. I, I don't even remember what they are. Um, Mike Boone. Boo. Yeah. High ankle sprain already placed on IR. It seems like his is pretty significant. And somehow we're rolling into another W for me. I don't, this might be my week. I don't know. I, I think Latavius Murray's the guy, which I called mm. three weeks ago that Melvin Gordon just I just traded up. for Latavius Murray. A very weird trade that was proposed to me. Tom Brady and Latavius Murray for Trevor Lawrence. Two for one. Interesting. I still wouldn't start Latavius Murray though, because he's clearly t- touchdown dependent, but he's the guy. Yeah. Uh, he also had to yeah. sit next to Russ while he did all his exercises on the play. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get any sleep. <laughs> He just gets uh, cringier and cringier every week. There were some other. There's still some more, right? Some wide receivers. Yeah, David Njoku, you mentioned as a high ankle sprain. He's week to week. Um, I really wanted to bring him up because this is a rare situation where I feel like even if I don't have IR spot, I don't want to drop David Njoku. Even if I have to roster two tight ends, I I think it's not something normally anyone would do. But I don't want to lose him when he comes back because he really came on and they paid him and they're utilizing him. So. If you have David and Joku and you don't have an IR slot, I personally I think I would hold them. I don't know what you guys think in that regard. Depends on your record, I think. If yeah. you need the spot and you gotta get some wins, you gotta cut yeah. where you can cut. But I wouldn't yeah. want to cut him if you don't have to, though, is mainly my point. I I, sure. I think that he's worth rostering still. And he might yeah, be especially out. with with tight ends with the production. Exactly. I mean, it's kind of a yearly thing, so I, I think you don't need to necessarily state it every week, but like yeah. it just seems like this year, even more than others, the tight yeah. end position, dude. It's just... I I wouldn't want to lose him. Um, DK Metcalf. Uh, so he injured his patellar tendon, which when you hear that, typically that's like mm-hmm. wide open, like scary. I remember Victor Cruz tore his patellar tendon and he was like completely washed at that point after he, after that happened. Um, but they're saying that he didn't tear it. He's definitely going to miss some time. And this is going to be a rare opportunity where I say that Tyler Lockett is someone that I wish I had on my team. Very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna kill it moving forward. Where did you get? Where did we all have him this week? I know we can see at the bottom where he came in collectively, but they had a tougher matchup this week, so yeah. I didn't have him that high. Um, Seattle is going against the Giants, the six and one New York Giants. Um, there, Drew has him at eighteen. I have him at fourteen. Joe, you have him. I think 17. 17. Yeah. 17. Um, so they're like a bottom 10 matchup. Um, we'll see how it shakes out. The Giants have been a lot more susceptible to tight end play than wide receiver play. So it could be like a sneaky 
matchup for someone like Will Disley, who they have a lot mm-hmm. of tight ends that they yeah. utilize in that offense. But that's why I stayed away from them in all DFS later because I just don't know which one to pick. Um, what about like I, so? Obviously, they're a tough matchup for a receiver. That's why I, I guess you could say we're kind of fading their number one option and locked it a little bit. But the opportunities to be there. What about the guy that popped off last week and Marquis? Marquis Goodwin. Good yeah, I I like him moving forward for sure. Okay. Just not this week. Yeah, yeah. Pete Carroll was actually really weird about the whole DK Metcalf situation, which I feel like is kind of a thing with with them with injuries. Yeah. Um. Because he, you said that they said he's going to miss time, but I thought when Pete Carroll spoke. He said he didn't want to roll them out yet. They haven't. Yeah, they're like yeah. being very coy about the injury. It's very bizarre because um, the severity and how it sounds and the way that they're talking about it, it doesn't really line up. But mm-hmm. to your point, um, Goodwin was on the field for 38 out of the 71 offensive snaps, 22 routes run, which was second on the team, five targets. So um, not a bad backup option if you're pretty desperate. But I personally wouldn't feel too comfortable with them there. Um, but Beggars can't be choosers sometimes. So, yeah. I wanted to add one more thing too that I missed um, when we were talking about Brees Hall. He was actually on the injury report last week for having a knee injury. So, there was like a little bit of a precursor coming into this week that he had some instability in his knee. So, it's like really sad. Like, yeah. That, that ultimately happened. Also, I love the way that uh, Joe has to take a drink. It's hilarious. <laughs> I've watched every single time he takes a step. Like, come it's on, my angle. Are you able to roll your eye back for when you take the mask off so we can see it looking really bad? Well, I actually pop my eye out for the costume because it's a it's a life sense. Dedication. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. I uh, looking like uh, looking like Daniel Bellinger over here. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> can you imagine he rolls in next week? Dude cracks his orbital bone, then just like plays a whole football game with like one of these on. Be so yeah. dope. Uh, Mike if Williams, you... did you mention it yet? I think that's the last one on here. Not yet. I actually might have added someone. Oh, yeah, it didn't. There was another injury that I heard of today that I don't have on my list that I wanted to talk about. I might have Calvin Austin. No, it wasn't that one. <laughs> huge, huge fantasy impact there. Yeah. Well, um, Mike Williams had a high ankle sprain. It was, did you see the play? It was I pretty did. bad. It was ugly. Yeah. It, it looked like Jerry Judy's from last year, and we know how that impacted him like the entire season. So it's concerning, obviously, moving forward. Um, one fantasy impact, though, is that this probably makes Gerald Everett relevant the rest of the year. Yeah. Not that he I've had, I more, mean, but... with the wasteland that the tight end position has been, I've had Everett like in my top seven yeah. <laughs> on a week to week basis. So, yeah. yeah. And in other news with the Chargers, Keenan Allen came out and said that he felt like he just wasn't healthy enough to go full speed. Like he admitted that he just didn't feel good out there. So that makes. Josh Palmer, who missed last week with a concussion, even more valuable as well. Like there, I wouldn't be shocked if there's weeks where they're both out. I, I actually wanted to bring that up about like a receiver moving forward. I was going to say him or like DeAndre Carter as well. Like I like Carter better out of the two. I think yeah. um, from what I've seen, at least. Uh, let me see if I can pull up their stats real quick. I have a very deep stash DeAndre Carter on one of our dynasty leagues. DeAndre Carter led the team in snaps, led the team in routes run, and then had six targets. So Everett had nine. Mike Williams had nine. Austin Eckler had 12. Um, but I don't think that um, Josh Palmer even played. So I think he's out too. So I don't know how long-term of a thing that is. But he, Josh Palmer didn't see the field last week. 
Yeah, he had a concussion. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know how long-term that is looking for him. But, um, yeah, I, Carter's done well the last two weeks. So I think yeah. that will continue moving forward. Um, it's just a shame. It's crazy to think that, like, they have such a high-powered quarterback that can gun the ball anywhere in the field, and he's averaging six and some change um, on his dot right now. It's just his very rib, weird. His rib cartilage is it's, – it's a painful injury. Like, it's something that – it's going to bother him the rest of the year, and it just really sucks. It's bothering me, too. Uh, we got another question here. Evening, gents. Full PPR, Judy or Boyd? Also, Singletary or Michael Carter? Thanks. Uh, has Jerry Judy, Judy caught a ball this year? I think Judy's going to get traded. Ooh. I, With that, obviously, without knowing the landing spot, so you're kind of taking a guess here, does that benefit him? Yes, because the teams that are all linked to wide receivers are the Packers and Chiefs. It wouldn't benefit him this week, though, because realistically, he probably wouldn't play. So yeah, if this yeah. is like a this week kind of thing, I really don't like having either one of them on a roster at this point right. in the year. I don't think it's worth whoa, it. Whoa, whoa. I, Look at what Tyler Boyd did last week. Yeah, I don't Look care what he did in one insane. week. <laughs> the matchup was I, insane last week. I wouldn't have him on a roster. It is what it is. Sue me. Um, if I had to pick one for the week, I'd probably take Tyler Boyd just because of that role that he has in the offense. There's a chance that he could pop off, but that's like a very high risk, high reward kind of play. Um, I think as far as the running backs go, looking at the matchups, so uh, Singletary has a pretty good matchup this week. They're at home against Green Bay. The one weakness that they do have has been against running backs in the last couple of weeks, so they're giving up 25.9 points per game to running backs in full PPR. Um, For Michael Carter, um, the Patriots have been pretty tough. I imagine that if I'm Bill Belichick, he tends to try to take their best players out of the game, Um, so I would imagine he's going to want to make Zach Wilson throw the ball because this recipe for success for the Jets has been don't give up a lot of points, play good on defense, run the ball, control the clock. Um, so I envision Bill trying to get them to throw the ball a little bit more. I think if I'm choosing between the two this week, um, I'm going to go Singletary and Boyd. Michael Carter will be in a lot of DFS lineups for me this week, though, because I think that them throwing the ball is actually better for Michael Carter. Most of his fantasy points are going to come – via the passing game, in my opinion. So you're with who? Who are your I'm player? with Singletary in like like a week long normal fantasy league redraft league mm-hmm. or but Michael Carter is a very good high reward medium risk running back for DFS. Um okay. I think that if Brett Rippon actually starts this week again, I think that I might prefer Judy because he actually did pretty well with Rippin last week. He was ripping the ball around. Yeah. That was bad. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll leave the show to you guys. I'm going to I'm going to head out. I'll As see you it. should. <laughs> last one full PPR Devontae Smith or Alave. I'm going to say Alave and I'll give it to you guys. It's, it's tough. Up. Yeah. The Steelers suck. I don't care that they were able to hold the Buccaneers down a couple weeks ago. They uh they were struggling a little bit last week in the air. They were able to make not, some really Josh good adjustments. Jackson's not walking through those doors. They made some really good adjustments after the first quarter, but um it's gonna be a tough matchup fresh off the bye for the Eagles. Um that being said, I'm always going to choose the, the um the yeah. number one over a number two. So 
Olave also has a really good matchup against Vegas. Um, so I don't think you can go wrong with either one, but I think Olave is the safer pick for me. Yeah, I agree. You always take the alpha when it's a tiebreaker situation. Yeah. All right. Um, so this can kind of segue us, I guess, into the headline stuff that's not injury related. All right, cool. Yeah, so let's talk some week seven headlines. Um, headline number one, the Gus Bus of Baltimore returns to action. It was weird. They used a weird, like, three-man rotation at running back. So Gus Edwards, Kenyon Drake, and Justin Hill, they all had significant snaps on early and third downs, and they each got at least one goal line snap. So it's something to keep in mind. Um, It looks like Justice Hill was more of, like, the fourth quarter games out of hand kind of back, but we'll see what happens. And then he fumbled. Yeah, he also fumbled. Um, what will be interesting to see is that the Ravens have one of the easiest remaining schedules. So you could get like these backs in a really good position. We know there's going to be some vulturing that happens with Lamar being such a running threat. Um, and it's also interesting to note that last week, none of those running backs caught a pass. Um, I feel good about Gus Edwards coming back and being a fantasy starter moving forward. Um, there is a chance that Drake could carve out some sort of role, but I think it's apparent that as long as Gus Edwards is healthy, that he's going to be the back to own for Baltimore. Um, and we'll kind of see what happens, but first game coming back from injury, I think what he has done is what everybody hoped, what JK Dobbins, Cam Akers kind of situation looked like. Um, and I'm really happy for the guy cause he didn't get to play football for about two years. So it was definitely a feel good story there. So, um, anything to add from you guys on the Baltimore? Front. Mm, not really not anything you, you didn't say already i did I like just the way really you have good vibes about baltimore's offense for fantasy right now and i it could just be the fact that i roster lamar in a few leagues and he's kind of been killing me yeah um he was the injury he has a hip injury oh he Gus was the in, yeah, no Lamar. Uh, Lamar Jackson. He was the injury that I was thinking of. He he's str- uh, suffering uh, or struggling with a hip injury. So what was he limited today? I think it's been bothering him for weeks. So was he a limited or DNP? He's practicing through it. It's just okay. one of those like maybe he's not actually struggling with an injury, and it's the Russell Wilson excuse method. Um, but I read somewhere that he's I like how we're just going to call it that now. Yeah, because dude sucks, <laughs> and he just has a shoulder injury now, a hamstring injury. Is that a cat? Broken heart. Yeah, that my cat. cat. My cat hey, was in my lap. She's better than uh, that better is than me. Christmas. Yeah, it's that's that one's definitely me. So we'll all right. So we'll we'll see what happens in Baltimore. Um, but mm-hmm. it looks like good things ahead for the Gus Bus. Uh, next interesting topic from week seven. And for whatever reason, it seems like Atlanta is still allergic to throwing the football. So just some stats for you on the game last week. Atlanta trailed by 10 or more points on 91% of their offensive plays. They ran 29 rushing attempts and 16 passing attempts. We are looking at a situation where Drake London had at least 50 yards in his first three games and now has gone four straight with under 50. Is there anybody that y'all feel comfortable starting on this offense, regardless of matchup, given the way that they are refusing to throw the ball right now, um, knowing that Tyler Algier has maybe one more week of fantasy relevancy before Cordero Patterson comes back and that, um, Mariota isn't really chucking things around, which is sad to say because Atlanta has the easiest remaining schedule for wide receivers. Um, so you got to hope that maybe they would open things up at some point. 
No. To answer your question, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel comfortable. Would y'all hold them, or is it like a, I'm just dropping them at this point in a redraft league? Like, at what point do you cut that bait? I'm holding Pitts because I just – Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you just drop him. Yeah. I'm just going to hold out faith and hope that one day he rewards me. Okay. I guess, like, as far as Drake London – I'd hold him too, probably. I probably am, but like I think that there's a little bit more of a conversation if for some reason there's somebody out there on, on the waiver wire that's available that you that makes more sense. I, I wouldn't care about freeing up a roster spot via dropping Drake London, but I just I couldn't do it with Pitts. Yeah. Okay. Did you guys see I added Olamide Zacchaeus in one of our dynasties? I did not. Why? Oh, I don't know. I just I felt like when I was watching the game, that's who Mariota was looking at. He didn't necessarily well, I drop into him. Definitely wasn't looking at the other two yeah. players we're talking about like how, how ridiculous is it we we're, we keep talking about you know the wasteland of tight ends and yet a player like kyle pitts still doesn't crack the top was he yeah he came in at numbers 10 he wasn't in my top 10 but he was in my top 10 i'm yeah. a glutton for punishment i did yeah. that for like Bomb. listen and i and i really do like greg dulcich but he's literally behind greg dulcich i greg dulcich <laughs> i think he's good you guys had him in front of Irv Smith or Irv Smith in front of him too, which I couldn't stomach. But his matchup is good. That's the reason why I did it. Yeah. All right. So last but not least, week seven headlines. We touched on it a little bit at the beginning of the show, but the Colts are going from old man Matt Ryan to the new Sam Ellinger. So um the run pass ratio wasn't where things have been in the last couple of weeks for the Colts, but it ended up being a pass heavy game script. Um, just because of the way things unfolded. We mentioned this earlier in the show, but Taylor had a career-high seven catches. And if you noticed the week before, um, who was the the guy that filled in for him? Um, Dion? Yeah, Dion Jackson. Yeah, Dion Jackson. He also was very involved in the passing game. Um, so it is possible that there's going to be more pass work from the running back position moving forward, um, which would be good. Um, but this was the worst remaining matchup for Colts running back. So Taylor could be a buy low if you have somebody that's desperate. That being said, um, Frank Reich mentioned today that the plan is not to just to have a run first offense with Ellinger at QB. They definitely want to get Jonathan Taylor going. who's struggled a bit this year, but they're looking for more explosive plays in the passing game than what they've seen so far. Um, and I would expect that they're going to try to use Ellinger kind of to what Drew said, get him more mobile and get the ball down the field based off of him like on the run if we look at his preseason games this year played pretty well he went 24 for 29 290 yards four tds while rushing six times for 71 yards and a touchdown um so what do y'all think of the fantasy prospectus in indianapolis as a result of this quarterback change i really really said my piece i i don't like yeah. michael pittman at all um yeah i think that it's an uptick for jonathan taylor as much as you can really do, because obviously he was the top five running back anyways, and he was getting 20 carries. But I think can when he get in the red zone, he's getting the ball, and Pittman's going to hurt. Can we maybe subscribe to the idea of a young quarterback looking towards tight ends more and see like a Mo Alley-Cox or a um, Jelani, Woods. Jelani, Jelani Woods uptick? I just don't think that they use him enough. And if they're going to have all three of those receivers on the field – to me, yeah. it screams Paris Campbell because Paris Campbell was kind of the backup coming into things and that he could probably be the safety valve because they have that familiarity there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I agree. I think it's going to hurt Pittman a little bit. But if they can get the offense moving a bit more and 
kind of have more opportunities, it could be a good scenario for everyone involved. But Frank Reich, it's looking like he could be out the door. Funny enough, he's somebody that I've heard in conversations quite a bit for like the Steelers potential offensive coordinator for next year. Cause I think he would be fired and would be a good fit for like a young Kenny Pickett. But um, we'll see that division is pretty trash. So they need to get some dubs cause they're not like out of it by any means for the season. So. Titans got that division locked up. It's over. They you know already ever since wins against them too for tiebreakers and ever since I put money on the Jaguars, they just sunk downhill. I feel bad. They got cursed by me. Can you cash out and then they'll start winning again? <laughs> Maybe I should. For I got some eighty-two cents that are Jaguars fans. There you yeah. go. All right, so let's tender a little bit. We'll transition to our next little topic here. So if you haven't been on the show with us before, uh, we pick a couple of profiles out in the wild of the NFL landscape, talk a little about how we're feeling about them. So you'll see a screen pop up that looks something like this. Uh, If you're familiar with the Tinder app, it might look a little bit familiar. Um, But if we're feeling the profile, if we're excited about what's happening, we're going to give them a big yes, which will be signified by the green heart. And if we're not really feeling what's happening, then we're going to give them that red X and then we'll swipe left and move on to see what we have out there. Um, so our first profile is going to be the one, the only Justin Fields. Um, he's come on as of late. Um, so if you look at the stats from last week, um, he was actually a top five quarterback. Um, so that was a bit surprising, I think, for everyone just based on how they struggled. So he actually came in at number five. He had 24.4 points, um, mostly carried by the 82 rushing yards and the rushing touchdown that he had, only threw for 179 yards. But um, that rushing floor is something that can propel a lot of players into fantasy relevancy. So are you feeling Fields as a fringe QB1 moving forward, or do you think this was just a one-game fluke? Go ahead, Drew. How much does it cost to get a super like again? <laughs> I don't know. I think you don't you get one anyway or something? Probably like ninety nine like cents. A, I don't have a Tinder history really, so um I'm gonna super like this though. Like this is I've been in on this for a few weeks now. I just didn't want to say it till something actually happened. But like the rushing upside that he's getting is Jalen Hurts' his rookie year, and he was very good at the end of that season. The obviously the downside is his passing is suspect, but he's throwing the ball more than he had been it's still not crazy enough but he's been a fringe top 10 quarterback the last three weeks yeah so if you look at the stats he was qb 13 in week five week six he was qb eight um and then week seven he was qb five so he's had some decent performances there um it was a tough matchup this week the pats are always good on the defensive side of the ball again I, I think that with his rushing upside, he's safe. He's kind of like the wish Lamar Jackson. So he's so he's somewhere in between Marcus Mariota and Lamar Jackson is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. It's okay. it's still kind of hard for me to take this uh segment seriously, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely feeling fields. Um, you know, when I get on Tinder at two, three in the morning. Ooh, girl. You, said, you mentioned that Fields is really starting to come on. I'm that's what I'm looking for when I get on Tinder at two to th- guys that are really starting to come on. So I like that. I like that. All right. Yeah. um, I I do think that that rushing upside is there. It's interesting that um, just the number of quarterbacks that are struggling this year. So if you look at like the TD rates in Tampa Bay, 
they've dropped off by like a touchdown and a half per game, which has absolutely hampered Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers is like in shambles in Green Bay. So I think these guys like Mariota, um, guys like Justin Fields, where they're not, or even Daniel Jones for that matter, they're not necessarily moving the ball through the air, but everybody's kind of struggling in that front. We've noticed that fantasy points are down about 20% this year. Um, So those guys that are willing to run the ball more, they may not be getting a touchdown every week, but if you're running the ball 14 times, then effectively you're getting a running back out of that. Um, I don't know if I'd feel confident starting Justin Fields, but I do think that he's somebody that should be rostered. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll buy in on it too. I'm, uh, I'm always down for a good swipe. So he's the perfect, uh, clean sweet flex right now. That's, that's mainly where I'm looking. Um, and he's a bi-week fill-in streamer depending on matchup. But if you have two, if you're in a two quarterback league, I'd love him to start weekly as your QB too. I, I, he's safe with that running floor. <clears throat> so, what wide receivers could I get when packaging CD lamb and MT full pot? Smoke it. No, he said he clarified PPR. Um, Michael Thomas, right? Yeah. CD Lamb and Michael Thomas. I mean, I guess it depends. So if you're wanting to trade both of them for a better receiver, I mean, CD Lamb's already like in a pretty high tier of receivers as it is. I would put him in the like AJ Brown, Jalen Waddle, T Higgins kind of category. Um, You might be able to get someone to bite. I think a great buy low, if you can buy low on somebody right now, would be Amon Ross St. Brown, just because he had the injury struggles. He's had the bye weeks of, Owners may be a little bit frustrated with him right now. I don't think that there's really anybody else higher than that um, that you're going to really be able to part ways with from a wide receiver perspective. I don't see anybody giving up Tyreek Hill. I don't see giving up Jamar Chase. I don't see giving up like Cup, Diggs, or Jefferson. Um, So I think the only real attainable target may be Amon Ross St. Brown, but I don't know if you can really – there's nowhere really up – to go in my opinion i don't know if you can package that i think you would need to include you would either go for a higher receiver or a higher running back or you would need to give like more of a a running back to get like another like tier three receiver but it would be a tough you'd have to move a lot more than what you're giving up to get into that next echelon of receivers in my opinion it's funny because i would have said amon rosso but the other one that i think about you said aj brown but like that's that's pretty lateral right so so I, I wouldn't package that. them both to get AJ Brown to me. I feel like you're shooting yourself in the foot there. I'd rather just keep the both of them. Yep. Um, but if I could trade like Michael Thomas and a a wide receiver, another running back to maybe upgrade my wide receiver, or why do I keep saying that? If I can trade Michael Thomas and a middling running back to get another running back, then maybe that's the approach that I go. But I would be holding Lamb, especially with Dak coming back. He's going to get more comfortable with the hand. Mm, yeah. Um, so I don't I don't think that there's really a beneficial move that you can make there. I haven't really seen that connection much. Obviously, Dak gets hurt in game one, that stinker against Tampa Bay for Sunday night football game, and then Dak comes back last week and tell that the uh, the approach is kind of run the ball and ease Dak back into things. So, uh, Chad lost last week in Dynasty by ten points because the QB market was pricey and didn't think I'd be close enough to win. Trading for Brett Rippin feels bad. Pour one out for you, Chad. Sorry, man. It's, it's tough out here. Chad's been having a tough go of it. Wasn't he sick like last week or two weeks ago or something? Yeah, he was. Tough. So, tough the, wa- the water in the the, uh, the kingdom is just not great. We've got to do better. 
All right. Uh, so moving on to our next profile, you obviously were feeling fields, but are you getting the hubba hubba feeling about Chubba Hubbard? So <laughs> I'm sorry. I have the best to... part about this is we don't know what the titles are going to be. Is this like, and I don't know what the titles. Is this like be. a gum? Sure, hubba, Drew. Hubba. There we go. Come on. I know. Okay, <laughs> but um, so as we know, he gets traded out to San Francisco last week. There was some questions about who would emerge as kind of the de facto RB1 for um, for Carolina. Chuba Hubbard ended up getting the start last week, um, but both running backs had decent numbers. Um, so who do you think out of the two are you taking Chuba Hubbard as the heir apparent for the Panthers kingdom? Um, so what are your thoughts? Are you buying Chuba or are you going to swipe and hope that you can get Donta Foreman? Uh, a little bit later, and you're swiping. Um, yeah, see, I like Foreman better as a player, but does Wilkes feel that way? I think because of like the draft capital being invested into Hubbard, he probably would get the first look. Um, what were the? Do you have that in front of you? What were the splits last week in terms of? Yeah, um, let me pull it up real quick. For it's you. hard because he left with the injury. That's why I'm just. Oh, that's right. Away. Yeah. Um. So. Let's see here. Um, snap counts. So Chuba Hubbard had 23 um, snaps, 12 routes run, three targets, nine carries. Donta Foreman had 27 snaps, 10 routes run, two targets, 15 carries. Um, so when they were both in there over the first three quarters, it was 22 snaps for Hubbard, 14 for Donta Foreman. Yeah. Um, and then that included Hubbard taking eight carries to four. Um, and Hubbard was also taking the third down snaps. Um, Mm. Other things to point out, Foreman had like a 60-yard run um, in one of his first couple of carries, so that was the majority of his work. He got the ball 11 times in the fourth quarter for 48 yards. One other thing that I'll bring up um, was that there's a group called Number Fire. Um, They do analytics, um, and based on like the expected points that they had, they said that Chuba Hubbard was successful at a 67% rate for his carries, whereas Foreman was successful on 27% of his carries. So it was really just like the big runs that he got kind of saved him on the stat line, but not necessarily on on the field itself. Um, So it'll be interesting to see because I know a lot of people, uh, what's it called? Last week, it was like, who are you going to pick up between the two? It looked like Foreman, but it seems mm-hmm. like the Panthers might be going the opposite direction. Yeah. And see, it, it, like rest of the season question, all right, to answer that, is this for just the rest of this season? Yes. Okay, so I will swipe on Hubbard being the guy for the rest of the season. But I don't think either one is the lead back in Carolina next year. I can see that for sure. True. Swipe right, swipe left. I just need one second here to verify something before I make my decision. Okay, I'm going to swipe. What, Twitter account? <laughs> what did you say? You're trying to he, verify your Twitter account? You say you're to verify something. He's updating his pictures I, on his Tinder. <laughs> he's got to get the hat in there. Yeah. I'm going to swipe right on Hubbard as well. I thought it was going to be Foreman, um, just knowing what we saw last year when he came on for Tennessee after the injury. Um, but I think that there's some allegiance to Hubbard there, um, and I think they're going to play that out. I think both of them will get some work. I think it's going to be pretty close to a 50-50 split, but I think that from a pure pecking order perspective, Hubbard's going to be the one that uh, ultimately gets to play there. So I was wrong about because I picked up Foreman and left Hubbard on uh like for free last week so all right i'm i'm back here so 
I was in on Foreman earlier. I just felt like he looked better, but I, I was going through his these player profiles and I kind of like skimmed through the the game log. It looks like which obviously this could completely flip, but it looks like Chuba Hubbard was on the field when they were in the red zone majority of the time, which is a big thing for me. It's hard to gauge right off a of player profile because they said that he They both had one short yardage carry, if it means anything to you. Yeah, and Raheem Blackshear had five snaps, um, and he was a receiver I, before. Though. I picked up Blackshear in a league just as a dart throw dynasty. And Hubbard was the primary third down back as well, so he got six of the seven snaps, and the other snap they were both on the field. And he he had the same percentage of routes run, and he missed majority of the. I miss he missed the entire fourth quarter. So right, so that I, I think that they want to give Hubbard the first shot at it. But ultimately, it's going to be a committee. So, so why are you swiping? I'm gonna I'm gonna swipe right because he's Ooh. gonna have the shot to he's gonna have the shot to, okay. to take that job. So, all right. See what Drew? Did you see what Chad said about you uh, looking like a Mountie? The world's gonna see it now. <laughs> it's actually he's only wearing it because it's Phillies. And because I'm Amish, so when I pull it back here, it makes more sense to you, right? Yeah. All right, back to Tinder. We got to get back to technology here. Okay, Um, so one of the things we talked about earlier in the show was the big trade sending uh, James Robinson to the Jets. We already know that Michael Carter is there. Ty Johnson is there. They're running the ball a lot in New York. Are y'all buying James Robinson as the back to own for the Jets for the rest of the season? I don't like this name as much. I think you could have gone with like J Rob the Heartthrob or something like that. Oh, oh man, I'm so ashamed. <laughs> That's so good. Ah, oh, you know you what? I that on the spot too. Yeah, that was so good. Um, so this one's tough, very tough. I just Michael Carter doesn't seem like a back to me that can handle that type of workload. Um, obviously like, as soon as the Brees Hall news dropped, they were on the phone trying to get James Robinson there. So I don't know how much it's going to mean for week one, but like rest of season to me, James Robinson is the back to own for New York. Boom. Okay. Drew. I definitely think he's the running back to own based on how you said that. I, I still think this is going to be more of a committee than we realize, but I think that if out of the two, he has the best, um, shot at being a weekly staple in your lineup over Michael Carter. But I, I do like Michael Carter this week. Okay. So um, you guys are some floozies and just swipe right on anything. I'm actually going to say <laughs> – Power hour. I'm actually going to say no on J-Rob the Jet. Um, I think that we've seen in Jacksonville that he is kind of allergic to catching the football. He doesn't really get a lot mm-hmm. of work in the passing downs. I think that's something that Michael Carter can excel in, and I do think that they're going to distribute the load just a little bit more – that's that's me on fantasy football tender. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that he'll obviously get some of the early downs, but I do think that um, the PPR role, like Brees Hall, was getting a lot of work in the passing game. I don't think that that's yeah. the role that um, James Robinson is going to take. I right. think that Michael Carter moves into the Brees Hall role. And then James Robinson moves into the Michael Carter of old role. So I actually like Michael Carter a little bit mm. better, but um, we'll see how it shakes out. That's kind what, of a what's, bold take. Uh, if we can get this information quick, 
And I know Brees Hall being there would change things, but like how many times has Michael Carter actually carried the football this year? Um while you look that up, I the thing that does it for me is that they they gave up capital to get him. So I feel like if you're gonna trade for a guy, you're gonna utilize him. Yeah, I mean we're talking a fifth round pick. I don't know. They, they still do, feel like he's, an, he's an RFA at season seven, I believe. Yes, he is an RFA at the end of the season. Um, so if we're looking at his, he has, let's see, 2021. He currently has 66 carries on the year. 20 receptions. It's less than 10 a game, so. It's actually still more than I thought, though. Um, what's, so Chad mentioned, and I don't know if he was saying about, this really feels like it will be the Jags offense from weeks one to three, but with a worse O-line and quarterback. Yeah, how is Zach Wilson five and two? And I know it wasn't him. Yeah, Joe Flacco was there. But their, de- their defense is amazing. And, uh, but I was just saying, too, as well, like the offensive line is only going to be worse, losing Elijah Vera Tucker this week along with Brees Hall. Sure. So, uh, yeah, but I'm sticking to it. I think J-Rob will be the guy. Two to okay. one. You're outnumbered, Joe. Sorry. This is my kingdom. I still win. <laughs> you're right. Maybe your vote should count as like five. So really, we lose five to two. Send them to the wall. Get them out of here. All right. So moving on to our next segment segment of the show, we're going to get into some only fantasy. Um, so what, every week we all subscribe to one player that we think is really going to give a lights out performance that we want to subscribe to this premium content. So we'll go around the horn. We'll give out our picks from last week and tell you how they did. Uh, and then we'll provide the subscriptions that we're making for this week. So to kick things off, Drew, who did you have last week? How did they do? I had Josh Jacobs last week. Things went, things went pretty well. You've been on a yeah. bender lately yeah. with, the, with this stuff. Yeah, I think I've only missed on one this year. Josh Jacobs, RB2, missed RB1 by 0.2 points to Austin Eckler. Yeah. Three TDs, 143 yards, four targets, three receptions for 12 yards. Not a bad day. 36.5 fantasy points and full PPR. He's arguably the top running back in fantasy right now. You could argue for him, Kenneth Walker, and Austin Eckler, in my opinion. I would say Eckler just because of the receptions that he's getting yeah. right now. It's just absurd. With it, what, what do you talk like the last three weeks, rest of season? What do you mean by the top? I just mean like the way he's playing right now. I just okay. feel like he's the top guy. Um, I wanted to be a little more riskier this week because I don't really have much to back myself up on this call. I just think that I went with Travis Etienne and I just think that they traded James Robinson and they just want to feature him this week. I just have a gut feeling that he's just going to get the ball a crap ton. His matchup isn't terrible, but it's not great. It's like middle of the road. Um, he had an 82% snap share with James Robinson on the roster last year. It's not going to, or last week, it's not going to get worse than that. I just have a gut feeling that he's going to be a top 10 running back this week. Just because cool. it's, it's time to show what he is. Give him all of the work. Did you see the video that they were showing on Twitter today? It was about, he apparently has like webbed feet or like duck feet and he's able to maintain acceleration as he's turning because of the way that his feet are constructed that like, he's like able to like maintain that when he's like making turns, which like normal people apparently can't. Now. In that video, is he wearing a? Is he wearing a shoe? Because I, I kind of like. Yes. Because I kind of want to see him run barefoot, and I want to see it like roll. It's like game footage, but yeah. Interesting. It was uh, 
Travis Etienne, there's 42 running backs that qualify. Uh, Etienne ranks second in yards per carry, third in explosive plays, and fifth in missed tackles per attempt. And he was one of those guys coming out of school that he had like a pretty high like uh, like um, athletic profile, right? Like yeah, he was like a 10 out of 10 kind of guy, wasn't he? Yeah, he was like a track star too. Yeah. The dude's just so talented. And, and now that he just – it's his first week as the guy, and I just think that they're going to show him off. All right, cool. Zach, talk to me nice. How'd last yeah, week so, go? Uh, yeah, last week I had Brandon Ayuk, um, seven for 82. Not bad, obviously. 11 targets. I mean, he catches a touchdown, different conversation. Still a solid day at the office for Brandon Ayuk. Led the team in targets, by the way. Um, I'm going with a guy that really only has one solid week of production this year. Obviously, a uh, widely talked about possible trade commodity it sounds like carolina is not going to do it but we'll see dj Moore. um i looked at the Oops. matchup oh, not travis Etienne. well you know <laughs> we, could double, we could double up i think he is going to be that good um but dj Moore this week going against atlanta who's given up 53.6 uh points in the last three weeks to the position uh dj Moore finally having a real strong week um pj walker has actually looked pretty decent for them and, and steve wilch gave him a vote of confidence saying even if all three quarterbacks are healthy P.J. Walker, we're going to give him the shot to play. Um, this is actually a stack that I would probably have if I was a D- DFS player. We'll see if Drew touches on that at all. Um, but I really like D.J. Moore this week. I am kind of just buying into one week of production and think that that could be hopefully a thing of uh, going forward. Who would have thought that P.J. Walker, and we talked about this last week, was could P.J. Walker finally be the thing that D.J. Moore needs to get going? And mm-hmm. he proved it a little bit last week. So I'm excited. I mean, if nothing else, like, it's got to be frustrating to be DJ Moore or like Terry McLaurin. Like you have all this talent, you're getting open all the time. And then they just throw ducks. Like I would be infuriated. Yeah. I mean, DJ Moore's dad was probably ready to like put together a YouTube video or something to try. DJ to Moore's dad was going to like go and buy like Yeezys or something. Like, just like, it's like, all right, well, we'll get this kid out of here. Like there's gotta be something. Black market Yeezys. Cause they're not for sale anymore. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to look at too, that I didn't, um, that I didn't say was so he had seven for 69 last week, but double digit targets, 10 targets, um, which, which far and away was the highest on the team. The next highest was three. He's one of two players that has had at least a 20% target share in every game this season. Yeah. Cool. All right. So as we all know, I've been pretty terrible at my only, (laughs) only fantasy subscription. I either pick players that don't play or if they do, they're really doing cardio. Um, I had the all cardio team last week with Rondell Moore. I completely got wrong the DeAndre Hopkins situation. I was really excited. Like the first play from scrimmage for Arizona, they line it up. Rondell Moore gets a 31 yard pass. And I'm like, I've got this in the bag. Like I called it. I'm ready. And then Hopkins was like, nah, I'm still him. So Hopkins comes back. He gets 14 targets. Rondell only had a, one more official target on the game. They try to use him as like an outside like fade route guy in the red zone, which went exactly as well as you think that it would. He had a couple of OPIs, like wasn't able to bring the ball in. So all in all, it's a pretty horrendous day. Um, it's weird that he's definitely built to be a slot guy. He's like five foot eight, but using him in the outside role on the boundary, it just doesn't make sense to me at all. So completely got that one wrong. Sorry if uh, anybody was tailing that. I know I had him pretty high in my rankings last week, but it is what it is. But moving on to bigger and brighter things, 
my only fantasy subscription this week is for Raheem Mostert. Last week he had 16 carries, 79 yards, four receptions, 30 receiving yards, and one touchdown against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's taken over the RB1 role in Miami from Chase Edmonds, who is currently leading the league in drops. Um, so he's been floating around a 70% target share, and he's had 13 targets since week four. Detroit is at home this week. So one of the things we've talked about earlier in the season is that when Detroit's at home, it's a huge matchup. They're going to have a lot of points potentially in that game. Detroit's giving up 21.1 points per game in the last three weeks to running backs. You're playing in the dome. Raheem Mostert's one of those speed guys who can really do a lot of good things um, in a dome kind of capacity. Um, and I think this is going to be a high scoring affair. So I like Mostert this week. Um, I have him as a top 12 play in my rankings, and I think that he can salvage me an only fantasy play, uh, which is something I haven't been able to do. I've been crying in the corner, just disappointed in my content. So hopefully we can turn it around a little bit, um, get the most out of Raheem Mostert this week. Collectively, exactly number 12 for us. Uh, Drew had Misters at 14. That is uh, <laughs> Mostert's nickname. Um, I had him at 12, and you had him at 12. Yeah. Cool. If it makes Actually, you... no, you had him at no, no, no. I'm sorry, you had him at nine. Wow. If it makes maybe, you, maybe only some twelve because of uh the collective. But yeah, you had him at nine. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah. Sorry. Vote a vote of confidence for you this week for your only fancy. I almost picked him. Oh. And I've been lucky. I yeah. actually, before we go on to DFS, I almost picked. I want to be real frisky and just, you know, <laughs> it's tender. I almost went with the San Francisco defense as my only fantasy of the week. But against the Rams? Are you talking about this week or just a week in general? This week against the Rams. Oh, wow. Woof. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, DFS. Drew has prefaced by saying he's not feeling that great about this week from a DFS Yeah, this is a risky standpoint. one. Um, so, I will pull up Joe's charts, which, by the way, Drew said that I'm copping out with my DJ Moore, just picking whoever's giving up the most points to the receivers. Yeah, he's, he's 100% correct on that. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. All right. Uh, here we go. So a lot of these guys we've talked about that I have on my, my lineup for this week, it is a much riskier lineup. Last week, if you tailed DFS, we won some money, which was pretty nice. So it, it was more than what we paid all season. So that was there nice. Um, I went with PJ Walker. As you can see on the chart, uh, Atlanta is getting absolutely destroyed quarterbacks and wide receivers so for the risk i decided to stack pj walker with two of his wide receivers this week um i paid up on derrick henry which caused me to do that uh derrick mm -hmm. henry's hasn't just been destroying houston in his career and yep. you saw what josh jacobs <clears throat> did to them uh last week austin eckler did the same thing two weeks ago that they just when you have the texans Find the running back on the opposite side and just play him in every league you can. So Derrick Henry came in at like 8,200. I went to Raheem Mostert as my RB2, which we already discussed. I will consider putting Tony Pollard in to this lineup now that we know about the Zeke information. Um, I paid up on Saquon as my flex. So I think that I would probably replace Saquon with my with Tony Pollard and save some money there. Um Real quick on Derrick Henry before you move on. Yeah. So in his last three games against Houston, he has 673 yards and seven touchdowns. Solid. 
<laughs> it's just like insanity. Solid. So you get a boost when a running back has more than 100 rushing yards. I wonder if you'll get a boost if he has more than 200 because I want to Double boost, that. no way. Whatever his over is set at, I'm, I'm picking it. And Literally could be anything. Yeah. His over is at like 200. If it's 1,000, I don't Pick care. Uh, wide receiver, I roll with DJ Moore. Zach already talked about him. Um, the whole, the whole uh, Panthers thing is PJ Walker is secretly playing for a job. They gave him a vote of confidence, like Sam Darnold's back, and they're sticking with Walker. So he, he has to play well if he wants to play on the field. So I went with PJ Walker, roll with DJ Moore, obviously. Um, the other stack, I actually went with Terrace Marshall because after this is a surprising one, yeah, last week he went up to a 86% snap share. And in he's DFS, taking the Robbie Anderson role in the offense, yeah. essentially. Yeah. yeah, he really is. So when you play DFS, you want to spend low on a guy like this at 3000 and just hope that you're a week early. He played 86% of snaps, didn't really ball out. He had some targets. Hopefully this is the week where he gets into the end zone and we get a, like a sneaky 20 out of him, and that's the way you win. Mm-hmm. Um, so DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall with the PJ Walker stack, and then the Steelers are getting destroyed destroyed by wide receivers so i didn't want to pay up for aj brown because i paid up for derrick henry so i roll with Devonte smith um hopefully i don't really want him to score touchdowns honestly so hopefully he just gets a bunch of catches he had like a week where he was like 10 for 10 like a couple weeks back we'll just stick to that give him 100 yards and get a solid 20 out of him and then at tight end this was actually kind of tough for me because there's some obvious uh teams that we've been picking on week over week at tight end the seahawks um Daniel Bellinger got hurt last week. He's probably not going to play. So I, I stayed away from them because the guy that they have backing him up, I've never even heard of. So I felt like it's probably a bad idea to play him. I might consider him in some long shot DFS lineups, but I wanted to go with Irv Smith here who had the third best matchup. Um, he's kind of been. Uh, he's kind of been mediocre. He had a good game against the Eagles. It could have been even great if he knew how to catch in the end zone. He could have had multiple touchdowns. So I'm just going off a matchup here. He's pretty cheap. Uh, he was the ninth costly tight end. So hopefully he pays out. And then, as I mentioned, I, I like the Niners defense this week. Um, they basically own the Rams for whatever reason, and they cannot block anyone. I wouldn't be shocked if they have eight sacks this week, and that's eight points in fantasy. And last week you had a great time. You had two touchdowns on your defense, right? Yeah, yeah. We i I played a five dollar. Uh, I usually play a five dollar each lineup, so I can have more lineups week over week. And then if one hits, then I make my money back. If a couple hit, I make more. We won seventy five off that lineup that week off a five dollar bet, so it was pretty decent. I think we put up like one hundred and ninety points or something. We so forgot like to have uh, one thing. We also forgot to have Joe explain what these charts are to people that might be tuning yeah. in for the first time. Yeah, so if you're tuning in for the first time, essentially what these charts are, a heat map of how teams are doing on defense for the last three weeks in fantasy football. So if we're looking at the left, those are the defenses that your players will be matched up against. Teams that are in blue, they are currently cold on defense. They are giving up a lot of points, whereas the teams in red, they are a hot defense and they're not giving up a ton. Um, So when we're talking about the different matchups that we have, you can see that the stack that Drew is using in his lineups, Carolina is the biggest beneficiary of Atlanta being so porous from the quarterback and wide receiver position. You can see they're very dark blue. um, And that's also indicated in the matchup for the Steelers. 
um, for the Eagles as well. So you can see the dark blue for the wide receiver realm. Um, if we're talking about how the matchup for Derrick Henry is good, um, we can see that Houston's very dark blue for um, the running back position. And then if we look at the very bottom, although the Rams are a good team on defense that they're a team that you don't want to go against if you look in that dark blue square defenses that are playing against the rams offense have been putting up a lot of fantasy points in the last three weeks so there's no analysis that's really going into this data set we're not weighting it based on the teams that they're playing it or anything like that but because there's so many different changes that can happen on a week-to-week basis this is looking at a smaller data set so you can account for those changes as things happen um so that way you're able to make some better lineup decisions this doesn't mean we're going to bench our studs because they have a bad matchup but if you're looking at players that are like an rb2 wide receiver two or potentially a flex play this can give you some better insight on how to build your lineups to best maximize your chance for winning week in and week out good stuff all right anything else i just want to point out one more thing there's some guy there's some matchups on this chart for DFS that I I definitely would have had in lineups but unfortunately they're not in the main slate so it was kind mm. of it's kind of tough to have lineups this week with Ravens and Bucks unavailable Broncos and Jags unavailable Packers Bills Bengals and Browns unavailable so um that's why I paid up for Henry I guarantee he's going to get me at least 30 get the 100 yard rushing bonus and then he had to pay down for a guy like Terrace Marshall but let's hope that we're a week early this bald cap really hurts my head. Let me just say that. What does it hurt like more than? Does it hurt more than when you rip your eye out so you can like really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Currently, yes. But I think it's because I have two on. Maybe two is too many. I thought you said you shaved your head. I did. Maybe. You want to do an update <laughs> on the on your belly button piercing? Oh yeah. So in a great that sounds ridiculous. So one of the things that I said going into the season was that I don't see a scenario where uh, Pat Fryermuth comes within 1.8 fantasy points per game um, compared to Travis or not Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Um, so if we're looking at the full season, something that's really promising that happened in the last week is that George Kittle actually overtook yep. Pat Fryermuth and is now 0.6 points ahead of. Uh, Pat Fryermuth on a point per game basis. So we're trending up. George Kittle is not being utilized as a blocker anymore. The one thing that does concern me is that there's going to be some passes that go CMC's way and like how's that going to impact the offense. I'm praying that that's the downfall of Brandon Ayuk and not George Kittle because whoa, Audi Bell. I, I think they're all just going to bounce each other out. And Debo Samuel, on my boy's downfall. Debo Samuel got hurt. Well, Debo Samuel also had his first non- PPR game for over 10 points last week too. And he's running the ball a lot less. Oh, trust um, me. I know. So right. we'll see what happens. We actually with it. really talk about the CMC situation. He got traded on Friday after the show. Uh, who cares? Do you, do you, I mean, he's obviously a still must start, but are you worried about them canceling each other out a little bit? No, no. I mean, he came in at RB four for us. So. Well, I mean like Debo Samuel might drop back a little bit. I think that it benefits Debo Samuel and I think it benefits Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey is now in an adult offense and not playing for the Panthers. I think that Kyle Shanahan will maximize what he has. And I think that Debo Samuel will be a better receiver 
because he doesn't have to run the ball as much. Could that have ne- negative fantasy implications because Debo doesn't have the ball in his hands? Maybe. Yeah. But if you look at last year before he became like the running back receiver hybrid, he was a top four, top five receiver week in and week out. They're going to scheme both of those guys the ball. Um, I think that's going to leave guys like Ayuk and Kittle. They're going to have good games, but they're not going to get the volume that they did. But you have to focus the offense on those other two guys. Like those other two are just more forgotten about. And it could be like a Tyler Higby situation where it's like, I don't want to, I'm focusing so much attention over here that you have this wide open thing that's happening, which who would think that that was going to happen from Kittle. Um, So I I think that overall, the offense is going to get better. The team's definitely going to get better. I mean, they went to the the NFC championship games. They're definitely all in. I think it was a bit of a steep price to pay, but when you have six third round compensation picks, like who cares? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I'm not concerned about either one of those players. John Lynch, shake hands, less need. F them pick. Verbal meme. Um, <clears throat> last thing I want to mention, as always, it will be the last thing that I mention on every show leading up to Christmas. A couple of GoFundMes to talk about. Uh, the Isla Keen Fund went over 32000 I actually think it's closer to 33000 now than it is 32000 uh, one of my friends, Dalton Keen, passed away, um, man, coming up on a, a month now. And his he left behind a two-year-old daughter. Uh, they set up a GoFundMe to help provide for her future. Like I said, that's around $33,000 now. Uh, the link to that will be in the bio of this, no matter where you're watching or listening to that. Uh, invite anybody who can to donate, share, whatever you can do. We greatly appreciate it. To lead into that, uh, as always, we talk about it. This is year five of Rocking Around the 412. In the first four years, we've raised over $20,000 to help provide Christmas in its entirety to families in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, all the gifts that the, the kids could want. I literally take a list from them and go and get everything that's on that list. Electronics, toys, uh, art supplies, makeup, clothes, whatever they want. And we also get the family a $100 gift card for whatever their local grocery store is to be able to get groceries to provide that holiday meal as well. So literally the entire Christmas experience, something that Tyler, the my host for Around the 412, uh, and I never had to worry about where Christmas was coming from. And this is our way of giving back and made sure that as many families in our area also can just experience something similar to what we were able to uh, growing up. So uh, the link to that will also be in the bio of this show, wherever you're watching or listening to it. And uh, you can just search Rockin' Around the 412 on GoFundMe. You can search Isla Keen Fund on GoFundMe or uh, Rockin' Around the 412 is our pinned tweet on Twitter. And also we've tweeted out the Isla Keen thing, you know, multiple times every single week. So you won't have any trouble finding it if you're on Twitter. Um, other than that, until next week, we wish you the best of luck in your Week 8 matchup, unless you're playing against one of the three of us in whatever league. Uh, for Smitty, for Drew, for Joe, this has been the Around the Fourth Fantasy Football Show. We'll see you guys next week. Go Phillies. Happy Halloween! <laughs>